630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Sean White just missed a 45-yard field goal. The Ottawa Red Blacks conceded a rouge. About four minutes left in the first half of the 2015 Grey Cup. It is 16-11 for Ottawa. I got a good feeling Edmonton's going to be up at the half. That game being replayed tonight on TSN 3 and two members of the double E from that game. will join us between seven 30 and eight. As we continue with green and gold, gray cup week at Darius Bowman and Kenny Stafford, both receivers from 2015 will be on the show. We had Brian Kelly on Monday. We had the Giz last night. He was an absolute blast tomorrow. We're going to have Hugh Campbell and Dave Cutler and uh, still working on confirming well, we have somebody confirmed for Friday, but uh, we're trying to do a little combo thing. So I'll just, we're, we're looking at going way back, way back to uh, some early championships for the green and gold on Friday. I'll just leave it at that for now. I'm pleased to welcome back to the show. He's with Post Media. He's one of the top sports columnists in the country. And uh, I believe, Steve Simmons, you are, you are now also in the media wing of the Canadian Football Hall of Fame. That is correct, although I would much rather have been on the same night Gizmo Williams was on. <laughs> well, we could, I'll, I'll, I'll send you the link and you can go back and listen to it. Uh, I think you will enjoy, as I'm sure you would expect. <laughs> I once went to Philadelphia uh, on assignment for the Toronto Sun uh, to do a story on Gizmo Williams when he was with yeah, the he... Philadelphia Eagles. Now, what was what was it like? Because I, I think when it, I remember seeing him play a couple of games for Philadelphia and they had him doing a lot of fair catches. We didn't get to see him open, up, open it up. No, and he, he never quite did what, uh, what he managed in the Canadian Football League in Philly for some reason. And we, we've seen it sort of both ways with players over the years. Some guys seem to be able to. Um, I'd love to see Speedy Banks getting another shot in the NFL as, as a kick returner. I'd love to see some of these other guys that we've seen over the years, but Gizmo was in particularly special because of how he played the game and the enthusiasm he played with and, and, and everything. And he, and he was so small and so wide. Some players, I mean, obviously here at Edmonton, we, we talk about Warren Moon a lot, played uh, a long time in the NFL. Jeff Garcia was a pro bowler in the NFL. Uh, Doug Flutie was was back and forth and was much better in his second stint in the NFL. But I don't know, is, is the best CFLer all time to go down to the NFL? Is it between Moon and maybe Cameron Wake, if we look at someone a little more recent? I think you go Moon 1, Wake 2. And then, and then it gets into interesting conversations as to who's next. Um, and, and football's so difficult because the positions are, you know, if you're, if you're a great offensive guard, how does that compare to being a great defensive end? You know, that kind of argument you always get into. But, but those two, I mean, Ward's in the Hall of Fame. I think Cameron Wake is headed to the Hall of Fame. Uh, that's the highest accomplishment you can get in the sport. And... Uh, and both of them, you know, the careers, they owe their careers really to the CFL. Uh, so I, I got to ask you, though, when you get into the media wing of the Canadian Football Hall of Fame, like, do they get you a new typewriter or what's the <laughs> what's the windfall here? Um, you get a you get like an award and you get a breakfast where they, you know, on Grey Cup Sunday but with last Grey Cup Sunday, they have a, the, the football reporters of Canada have a media breakfast 
on the on the Sunday of Grey Cup, and they present their Hall of Famers on that day. And uh, and I happened to be one of them last year, which was very nice. And then in the uh, it, CFL Hall of Fame is at Tim Hortons Field now. It doesn't have a building anymore. It's at Tim Hortons Field in Hamilton. And so, you know, I think my picture actually just went up about a week ago because I got sent a, a photo of it. Um, so they, the little picture they put up with your name and, and, a, and a bio, and it will be there forever. That's cool. I, I didn't realize that. I, it's been... Oh, I don't know when it was. Eight or nine years ago, I went to the Canadian Football Hall of Fame. In, I mean, I, my cousins live in Kitchener, so they took me to Hamilton. So I can't tell you where in Hamilton it was, but I didn't, I didn't realize they'd moved it to the new stadium. Yeah, it's not a. I think they found like a lot of things. Like they couldn't keep up the building. There wasn't enough money to to support it, and and the league didn't have the kind of money to to support it. And so, you know, they went as far as they could go and tried, and then. I think someone took on the sponsorship and they moved it all into, and so it's 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 number of different floors at, at Tim Hortons Field, and it's quite an interesting thing to see. I've gone through it a few times. I've noticed that TSN this week, and I, and I was talking about them in the last half hour of the show too, with which the influence they have with the league because of the broadcast agreement. They've been doing the greatest champion, and I think it came down to the ninety-five. I don't know if they were the Stallions at that point or the CFL team or whatever they were called, Baltimore, and, and the 81 team, well, which we've changed the name for that team now too. <laughs> but yeah. but that's it's an interesting... Con- that's a point of contention with me, by the way. You think they should have uh, kept it? I wrote a piece just about a month before the name change. And I'm not going to back away from what my opinion was at the time. My opinion was, when I heard the name Edmonton Eskimos, I thought excellence. That's the first thing that I associated it with. And so how, how is that an insult to anyone if the first thing someone thinks about when they see that name is excellence? Well, and that's one of many arguments I've I've got along the way. I got to tell you, Steve, that I I I'm reluctant to go too far down this path because as someone who's also a season ticket holder, it was an emotional week for me. A couple of weeks to talk about it. I I understand both sides of the argument, and I and I fully appreciate both sides. I think, like anything, you can only look at it from how does what do you think, and what did it mean to you. And so, I mean, I wanted the Washington football team to change their name years ago because I thought it was insulting. I never felt that the Edmonton name was insulting. And again, I'm not of that culture. Um, I'm a, you know, middle-class white Canadian. I look at things differently, obviously, than people. But to me, because of the success Edmonton has had in the CFL, and I look at at this. To me, they were the model franchise for so many years, and you know the greatest champion we've ever had, and and you know with so many of the greatest players, the greatest coaches, and and so again, my appreciation of that name came from something else. It came yeah. from football excellence. Well, you know what? I'm happy to hear you sh- you share that. And and for people who are I, there are some people who probably are tired of listening to that. But uh, uh, and I'm not trying to open a can of worms. But I appreciate your honesty with that. Where I was going was for the TSN competition. It came down to the 81 Double E and the the 95 Baltimore team. 
fair debate. You know, obviously the the Baltimore team had all American players. The Edmonton team was uh, was fourteen one and one, though they really had to fight to win that Grey Cup. But Giz made a great point last night about the '87 team. The three quarterbacks were Matt Dunnigan, Damon Allen, and Tracy Ham, who were <laughs> all wound up. Now Ham wasn't Ham at that point, and Allen was just becoming Allen. But in hindsight, that to me, that is incomparable. Maybe Flutie, Garcia, and Dickinson, I think, were on a roster at the same time in Calgary. And I think after that, it was uh, Garcia. I think it was Garcia, Dickinson, and Burris, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, my memory's terrible when it comes to those things. I'm going to add another team in there, by the way, because I'm not so certain those are the two best teams. In, in, in history, I'm going to put Don Matthews back-to-back Toronto Argonaut um, teams with Doug Flutie right there. They were 17-3 um, and three, two seasons in a row. And I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. I'm with you putting them in there. And I, I went to the 97 Grey Cup when Saskatchewan was in as a bit of an upset team. And... Uh, was it Drummond and Millington? That like they, they they could have scored eighty points if they would have wanted to, but they just basically ran out the clock in the fourth quarter, handing off to those two guys over and over again. Well, my favorite game, one of my favorite games ever, was the one in Hamilton in the snow, the Eskimos and the Argos, and the famous Eddie Brown catch off of his foot, um, and you know, fabulous game, and and. Um, the Argos wound up winning a pretty close football game, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it wasn't a it, it was a fumble. That's what everybody here. Are. Well, it was a fumble, and then plus they gave him the first down. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's the you know we're still picking. <laughs> Here's the problem when you're when you're my age and you see too many of them, they all kind of blend into each other. <laughs> right. So unless you're unless you're one of these people, I know some of them in the business that could tell you like. Like Brian Hall used to be like this. He would tell, you know, in 1971, this happened. In 73, that happened. I don't know 71 from 73. They all kind of meld into each other after a while. Um, But I just remember things that happened in the game. I just don't know what year it was or what the score was. Steve Simmons joining us tonight. Okay, you wrote a a great column. Uh, You have way more Twitter followers than I do, but if somebody is not following you, I've tweeted out the link to to your account, and they can find your column there. You just wrote a a great column about Grey Cup Week and how different it is for you and and just how weird this is for you, Steve. And uh, to be honest with you, i got to thank you for writing it because I found it quite emotional. So I just wanted to bring you on to touch on it a little bit. Well, it is emotional for me, and uh, it's funny. I didn't miss the season that much, maybe because the Argos just stink and, and whatever. That I didn't miss the season that much. But once playoffs were about to start, and and Grey Cup week, um, you know, this is Grey Cup week under normal circumstances. And on Tuesday of Grey Cup week, I always go to the city that the Grey Cup's in. So I'll fly Tuesday morning to that city. And what, what Grey Cup's become to me, and this is a personal thing, but what it's become to me is the most fun sporting event I attend every year. And I've been to 17 Olympic Games and, and 25 Super Bowls and, and a lot of Stanley Cup Finals and a lot of World Series and a lot of you know NBA Finals and things like that. And there is something absolutely different about Grey Cup. It is folksy. It is Canadian. 
It's made for everyone, and it's loads of fun. And so when you're going year after year, it becomes, I can't wait to see this person who I met last year. I can't wait to see that guy who I made friends with from, from Winnipeg or from Calgary or from Nova Scotia or from wherever. And just to walk the streets of whatever city. I mean, the last time the Grey Cup was in, in Edmonton and they had all that stuff downtown, it was all kinds of fun being able to walk to everything from your hotel. And, and even last year in Calgary where you know, it was not set up as well and, and uh, it was on the stampede grounds and it was a bit of an inconvenience. You know, the spirit of Edmonton is still a place to be every Grey Cup. You know, it, it sounds hokey and it sounds phony and it sounds all of that. There's nothing wrong with fun. There's nothing wrong with having a drink. There's nothing wrong with dancing with a stranger. You know, there's nothing wrong with just having, you know, silly conversations with your friends. And and that's what I found. I find every year, it's for me, it's just gotten better and better with age, as I've become more and more appreciative of it. And and I I really feel sad this week that it's not happening. So what? What's it like being at a Super Bowl then? Can you not find any of that stuff? Here's the difference. The Grey Cup is made for the average Canadian guy to go to the BC Lions party or the Ottawa Red Black party or the Spirit of Edmonton or Ryderville or one of these kind of things. And it's made so you pay 10 bucks or 20 bucks at the door and you walk in and yeah. You're wearing your team outfit, and you're you you're carrying yourself, and you, you you know you're going to you're lining up for the beer tickets, and you know it kind of takes you back in some ways to to university. Only you're an older person now. Um, Super Bowl doesn't have anything like that. Super Bowl is fancy schmancy parties done by corporations, done by um, fundraisers, and so you know you've got to be well to do to go. You've got to be well-to-do to get tickets. You've got to be well-to-do to be able to afford to go to these events at night. And so it's not really – it's more of a corporate um, kind of event. And and it doesn't have a feel. I've only been to one Super Bowl that ever felt like a Grey Cup, and that was in Indianapolis. For some reason, Indianapolis seemed to get what they wanted to really turn downtown into a place to hang. Um, but most of them, you know, for me, when you're working it, you go from your hotel room to a bus, you take the bus to the practice or, or whatever you're covering that day. And then you take the bus back and then you write until into the early evening. And then by the time you've, you know, figured out, you know, who you're going to hang with or where you're going to eat, you know, it's eight o'clock and you're, and you're looking for a place to go. Last year in Miami, we were at the airport. Here you are, one of the great vacation cities in the world. Super Bowl media at the airport. Couldn't have been worse. It was just a dreadful week. Um, a lot of people were calling it the worst Super Bowl like, in terms of like, just having fun of all time. In Miami, in beautiful weather, like it, it's crazy. You know, we do Grey Cup in the cold, um, and not fortunately not that cold in the last few years. But but in the cold, you know. A lot of the things are outdoors or you have to go outdoors to get there. And there just seems to be, I don't know, like a built-in friendly passion for all of it. Like you just, 
you know, you, you, people walk down the street. I remember last year in, in that outdoor mall area in Calgary. Um, I look around, and every time I look around, someone wearing a different jersey walked by. You know, and, and some of the jerseys don't even exist anymore. Like you'll see, you know, the Baltimore, you'll see the Baltimore jerseys or the Atlantic schooners who've never existed. Right. Um, uh, and and you see, you know, you know, Ottawa Rough Rider jerseys or, you know, Montreal Concord jerseys or, you know, people just walk around wearing their colors and wearing their football. And often it's the same, it seems like the same people or they look like the same people almost every year. And once in a while you do run into the same people. But... It's just a celebration for a week or a weekend um, for Canadians who want to get together and have a football game and have some fun. And, you know, we, you just had the Stanley Cup finals there. I don't imagine they were any fun for anybody. Fair, fair point. Uh, Steve, before I let you go, and thanks for being so generous with your time, I have a feeling we're going to be bugging you again in a few weeks like we did last December, a different year, but you're still doing the Lou Marsh, right? I am, and in my head, I'm kind of down to two. Uh-oh. That could change, because once you get in the meeting, well, this year it's a Zoom meeting, but once you get in the meeting, someone always brings up someone you didn't think of and makes a real good case for someone. So I'm not going to say that that's not going to happen, but right now, to me, it's Alfonso Davies, the soccer player from Edmonton, or Jamal Murray, the basketball player from Denver, and it just kind of a two-man race and i would be very comfortable with either of them winning yeah i think those are good choices and it's awesome that we got the edmonton connection there hey steve thanks for checking in i, I love having you on the show I-, I love your perspective on the great cup and uh, how important it is to the country man have a great evening we'll talk to you soon all right and don't forget on tsn tonight not only the great cup the nba draft that's right yes good call I'm sure all the people across edmonton are very excited about that Absolutely. That is Steve Simmons checking in tonight. Uh, He's a member of the media wing of the Canadian Football Hall of Fame. He was talking to you about that a little bit. And, of course, longtime sports columnist uh, with Post Media. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Appreciate you checking in tonight. Darius Bowman and Kenny Stafford coming up as part of Green and Gold Grey Cup Week. They were the, the 2015 championship team. That game being replayed right now on TSN 3. And uh, Steve Simmons mentioned the NBA draft as well. Anthony Edwards out of Georgia went first overall to the Golden State Warriors, or pardon me, to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Golden State picked second. They got James Wiseman out of Memphis. LaMelo Ball goes to Charlotte, third overall. Raptors uh, do not pick for a while. They're going 29th overall, second last pick in uh, the first round. How many picks are they in? They're uh, almost halfway through the first round. Yeah, yeah. Simmons uh, mentioned it. Uh, Davies, uh, the Edmontonian. Plays for Bayern Munich in Germany and uh, and uh, Jamal Murray from the Denver Nuggets, probably the uh, two leading candidates for Canadian Athlete of the Year. It's 727. We're back with Kenny and Adarius. 
You're listening to Green and Gold Grey Cup Week on 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. All right, appreciate you tuning in tonight. Oh, my God, the roster just keeps growing. Brian Kelly on Monday, Henry Gizmo Williams yesterday, and today for Green and Gold Grey Cup Week, two key members of the 2015 championship team. Please welcome back to Inside Sports. First of all, it is A.B., Adarius Bowman. Adarius, you're on with Reed. How are you doing? Man, glad to be on, Reed, man. Thank you so much, man. You uh, you definitely, uh, I'm honored to be a part of that roster, man. I, I definitely tuned in to Brian Kelly. You know, he's a guy, been a receiver. You know, he's a guy you're going to know about over here in, in Edmonton. And uh, Giz is, uh, I, I feel like he's a, a hometown hero here. You know what I mean? Everybody knows Giz, so I'm honored to be a part of it. Right on. And also on the line, Kenny Stafford. Kenny, great to have you back on the show. How are things? Good. How are you doing, man? Pleasure to be back on. As always. What's up, AD? How are you doing? And uh, glad to be on here. Glad you know you guys are wanting me to be a part of this week. Well, I'm, I'm happy to talk to both of you. Now, have you guys been in touch or seen, seen each other recently? What's... Uh, What's the relationship been like recently? Oh, man, man, can you keep uh, our relationship? He, uh, he went back across the border on me not too long ago, man. <laughs> yeah, so I was living in Edmonton, uh, but now I'm back in Columbus, Ohio, um, enjoying my time. I'm with my brother right now. just bought a house in Columbus, uh, coaching high school football, and uh, about to play for actually play for a state championship on Saturday. So coaching high school football and uh, training kids and speed and agility and sport specific movement. So, you know, me and AD always keep in touch. That's my brother. It's like my big brother. So, you know, that's family. You know, on and off the field. I agree. I agree with everything you just said, Reed. Man, so our relationship, uh, we keep that going always. Right on. Okay, I got to ask you something first. Uh, now, Kenny, you're in the states, obviously, so you won't get the Canadian channels. But the the 2015 Great Grey Cup is being replayed on TSN three. W- could you guys sit and watch games you were a part of, or is it kind of like, well, I played the game, so I don't need to sit and watch it? Darius, I'll start with you. Man, honestly, Reed, when I was in the game, it was hard to do. You know, it was it was you know, it was either getting ready for the next team, you know, in the off season you could you could catch a couple of the game copies. But most of the time we was watching a film copy of the game and uh as as important as it is, it's not as it's not as entertaining, you know, but, but for myself, you know, been a year or two out of the game now, I've I've actually became a fan of the CFL in terms of like uh watching, you know, I'm a true fan now. And so uh, yeah, I'm able to do that now. I got the kids in the house, so it, it's good. You know, that's the only way I can show them now. Uh, what about you, well, Kenny? Can you go back and watch? I ain't going to lie to you. I've watched every game after the game. So I will record the TV copy and then go home and watch the TV copy knowing I'm going to, you know, probably, you know, get told I'm doing something wrong mm. the next day when we're going over game film. So, uh, it's definitely, you see two different sides of perspective. Like, uh, I'm a football junkie. I love football. Uh, that's something I truly love. It's not like a job for me. So I'll sit and watch game after game, even live television, even just something just 
on it was just on like just now i was watching my alma mater toledo play eastern michigan on like cbs sports so like if i if football is on i'll definitely watch it i'll definitely tune in but to answer your question yeah i always watch like I don't know. Like, I just want to see what I look like on TV. It's kind of cool. Yeah. You know, it's kind of surreal. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's, that sounds cool. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be completely honest. Yeah, well, you're, some big moments for both you guys are still coming up in this, this game tonight. Let, let's go back to the start of that game, though, because you guys were, you know, relatively, uh, I, want, I don't want to say heavy favorites, but you were the favorites to beat Ottawa. You'd won... Uh, your last nine games going into the Grey Cup, it didn't start so well. I, I mean, I, again, I'll start with you, Darius. When, when the team's down thirteen nothing about halfway through the first quarter, what's the mood like on the bench? Oh, the mood. First, I'm gonna say this, Reed. We were a better team. <laughs> we, we 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 was a better team that year. But coming into that that climate, you know, uh, I always respect Henry Burris. You know. And Ottawa had they, had they had just got back into the league, so they was they was having players from everywhere, you know. And so you have to respect them. But man, uh, to be honest, you know that that team chemistry that 2015 was hands down my best my best season as a whole. Plus, I got a championship with it throughout my career. And the reason that made that was our team chemistry. So it was some faces, but I think all our leaders kind of looked at each other, and we knew, you know. Uh, we ain't playing Edmonton ball right now. And, and, you know, shortly after that, I think we kind of turned it on, which we still had to fight in that second half. It was a defensive game. But we, we, we knew that we just needed to make a play and get going. And I think our defense went and made a play and got us started. What about for you, Kenny, when the team fell behind? Man, I ain't going to lie. It was calm, cool, and collective. Like AD said, we have veteran presence pretty much at every position that see like AD said we had we truly had the better team um like overall special teams uh defense and offense so there was pretty much a veteran at every position group that just pretty much kept everything calm and we've been down before that season too so it wasn't like it was something new like yeah. AD said we needed to play Edmonton Eskimo football handle what we need to handle and the rest will take care of itself like from hands down from coach jones all the way down to the equipment manager we were always the more prepared team like we've always we always prepared more than each team each week i believe like they we had like coach jones made sure down to the referee and what they called the most that group like he would come in monday meetings and say all right we got this crew they throw this flag this many times like we were prepared for pretty much any type of situation we were we did wet ball drills in the middle of november like he would dunk the ball in a ball a wet ball and throw it to mike riley before skelly in the middle of november just so we were prepared for a rain game in november like you we were always prepared in Edmonton. Yeah, that, that's that's incredible. Chris Jones, obviously known for being uh, super detailed. Now, he also is known, guys, for being a very defensive-minded coach. Did did and, and I know you had an offensive coordinator, and, and you know I know Mike and, and a lot of you guys had had big numbers. But as receivers, was it ever? 
Um, did you ever feel like, man, this this coach won't really let us open it up? Was there ever sort of that feeling? I'll start with you this time, Kenny. Uh, nah. Coach Jones wanted to put points on the board. I mean, he was defensive-minded. He really didn't bother us in the offensive meeting room. He lo- He let Coach McAdoo coach. He didn't try to pinpoint anything. So, whatever we were doing that offensive scheme-wise, that was McAdoo. And, you know, he uh, he tried to put us in the best situations. And then, you know, we had big-time players that year. You know, me, AD, and then D-Walk. You had Mike Riley throwing the ball. You had, you had a gang of running backs that we used, Chad Simpson, and we used Kendall. We used Akeem Shavers. Like, we had a bunch of people that – just played their role and did it well. So, no, Coach Jones ain't never hold us back as an offense. Man, Coach Jones wanted to put as many points on the board. And I guess uh, I, I'll pick it back on what Kenny said with a little extra. For me, man, I, I'm not going to lie, for, for a bunch of years in the league, Coach Jones was kind of like my kryptonite. You know, he, he he's a defensive guru. So, like, I was kind of going against Coach Jones for a bunch of years. So, uh when I kind of got him over, when he kind of came over to Edmonton in 2014, it was a sense of a nerviness about all of us on the offensive side, just knowing what you just said, Reed, knowing Coach Jones' rap sheet. But to uh, piggyback what Kenny said, man, Coach Jones came over with the mindset of uh, he good at what he do, but he going to allow us to do, you know, our side of things. So he didn't really, like, uh, he didn't really interfere as much. You know, he was supportive of our game plan every week. And uh, even in that situation, you know, he was supportive of us, and he knew what we can do. But at the same time, from the offensive standpoint, knowing that you got, to me, the best defensive coach in the league, you know, that year, and uh, knowing that you have him over on the other side, it, uh, it, it, it did give you a, a, a level of, of relief because you kind of – we knew we was going to get the ball back. I know which, like, it's years and years in the CFL. That ain't no guarantee, you know, but – uh. We knew we'd get the ball back at some point. We knew we could stop teams from scoring. So, on the offensive standpoint, we just we knew we just need to use our tools and move, move the ball. Darius Bowman and Kenny Stafford joining us. Green and Gold Grey Cup Week here on Inside Sports as we look back on their uh, 2015 championship, which I'm keeping one eye on as it's replayed on TSN3 tonight uh, as well. Okay, so the, the, the drive that led to the game-winning points uh, was helped out by a couple Ottawa penalties. Uh, Kenny, I'll, I'll start with you since the, the legend has it that, that you got Coach Jones to throw the challenge flag. I think it was uh, Walker that was uh, was interfered with. So what? How how vocal did you have to be? Like, was he on the verge of throwing it anyway, or did you really have to talk him into it? I'm not going to lie. All right, so AD knows knows me very well, especially in the heat of a moment. I kind of <laughs> like not. I kind of like black out, and I just kind of just speak. I don't think. I kind of just speak, especially in the middle of the game. So we're running a concept where I'm, I'm running an underneath route, but I know we're running dig posts to AD and D-Walk. And D-Walk is killing this new guy because he's a new corner. They just put him in the boundary. So we're like, all right, we're going to go after him. So <clears throat> I got a perfect viewpoint of what's going on. Like, you know, he runs a post. Mike throws it, not under throw, but just hangs the ball up. D-Walk tries to go get the ball, and he kind of gets, like, in it. He gets interfered with. Like, the the DB didn't let him get back to the ball. So, 
I'm looking at it and I'm looking at the sideline. I'm like in my head, like I'm saying it to myself because I see Coach Jones. He's not really like throwing like the flag, but he just has his hand on it. And I'm just like, all right, throw the flag, like throw the flag. Like I'm saying it to myself. And as I'm getting closer to like the sideline and walking back to the huddle, I'm saying it louder and louder and louder. And then I just snapped, just like I started just screaming yeah. at the sideline, like, man, throw the flag, just throw it, man. Like if any, like if anything, it's all right. We challenge the play. No, no defensive pass interference. We give McAdoo time to think. Like we give, like a, we get a forty-five second break. If anything, and we're in a tight game. We're driving to win. So I'm just screaming, like, throw the flag. I'm not going to say what I really said, but I'm really just like, throw the flag. Just throw it. Throw it. And he finally threw it. And I'm like, all right, thank you. Like, we threw it. But, yeah, we, me and him had to have a conversation. <laughs> but we good. Me and Coach Jones, good. But to this day, like, me and Coach Jones, good. But, yeah, nah, I definitely – I wouldn't say I made him throw the flag. I just gave him that extra oomph to throw it. And, and Adarius, an interesting thing about that the game for you and the final moments was that you made a big play to get the last first down the, the, the team needed to then just kneel down and run off the clock. And you, one of the best receivers in the league, ironically got it on a running play. And, and I'm not sure you'd even run that play before. Hey, look. Hey, look. Kenny had to have a talk with Coach Jones about that flag play. I had to have a talk with Coach Mack. You know, but it's all out of love, you know, and, and actually his response to what I said, you know, I was like, hey, man, don't ever do that again, you know. Like, put the ball in somebody's hand that does that every day, you know what I mean? So even when we called, when we heard the play come in, in my head, honestly, I, I figured it was like, okay, I'm going to call this play, but Mike's going to keep it, you know, and just run, you know. Like, I didn't think Mike was going to really hand it off. That's honestly with me. Like, I just was like, okay, he calling this play, but, like, you know, game situation. Something got to be like, Mike going to keep this. Uh, but, you know, it worked out. The end was there. So it actually ended up being a great play. You know what I mean? And so, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I went and talked to him. And his response was, man, I'm, I'm going to put the ball in my best guy's hands. And, you know, that was out of love, you know. But my, I, I still responded back, don't do that again. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> it happened that time. There ain't no guarantee it's going to happen the next one. You know what I mean? But, man, it was just a uh, – it's on my career – to the team man it was just a, it was a beautiful story for me all right kenny mentioned what what he's up to back in columbus uh doing some coaching and darius let everybody know where you are and how you're keeping busy oh man i'm I'm right here i'm home man city of champions man i'm in edmonton alberta you know me and the family we're down here on the south side south side Chappelle area you know what i mean so uh i'm i'm now working with uh young youth associations, you know, bringing an educational curriculum to them guys. You know, my thing, I stepped back and I said, uh, what was the gap in my journey of being a professional athlete, a student athlete at once, you know, and, and I just remember all the guys back in my hometown, and I know we all got the same story, you know, those guys who didn't have those grades. So we never knew their names. You know, they just hometown heroes, you know. And so uh, for me, I'm like, I wanted to really, you know, try to help in that gap right there with your SATs, uh, and getting uh getting guys some better grades to make sure they can guarantee and get into school. So I'm uh I'm working with our youth and I still do my training and public speaking. You know we uh we got COVID going on right now, so things are like 
altered and limited at the time. You know, even we missed a, we missed a, we missed what we love the most this year. You know what I mean? So uh, hopefully everybody's staying safe and good. But yeah, man, I'm just working with the youth, standing around the game, and and hopefully it's some some coaching or something like that in the future to me. And you know, I always do my my inside recruiting for the Canadian athletes, you know, with any connection I got back in the U.S. So uh, that's that's just me. I always like to say I'm living a Canadian dream, man. That, that is awesome. It, it was so cool to reconnect with you guys. I mean, you, you've always been generous with your time coming on the show, but so cool to have you on together and get some memories of, of 2015. And, and it's so cool that you're, uh, you're, you're helping the next generation of, of athletes, which is, uh, which is awesome. Kenny Stafford, thank you so much, sir. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me on. Uh, Darius Bowman, thank you so much. Keep in touch. Three, man, as always, man. You uh, you do the same, brother, and uh, anytime you need me, I'm here. We're going to take you up on that for sure. Bowman and Stafford, Green and Gold Grey Cup Week here on Inside Sports. Big plays, great players, unforgettable championships. It's Green and Gold Grey Cup Week on 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Well, that was the most recent championship remembered with the Darius Bowman and Kenny Stafford. Love having those guys on the show. Bowman uh, still here uh, in Edmonton. Kenny Stafford right now in Columbus, Ohio, both working uh, with kids with the next generation of athletes. And you can still still uh, very good friends and happy they shared that uh, 2015 Grey Cup win. Uh, the Giz was on last night. And uh, by the way, if, if you miss anything, you can sign up for the Inside Sports podcast. You get a canned ham delivered to your house with that. Uh, and you can just go to the uh, the website for the show on 630chat.com and you can pick by uh, by uh, an hour or half hour what you want to listen to. So Giz was on at 7.30 last night. He was an absolute blast to have on the show. He talked about his big uh, missed field goal return in 1987. And he told this story about a game in Regina. That's one of my favorite teams to go play. So I'm playing in Saskatchewan. Eight fans are just unreal. And me and Damon Allen, we warming up before the game. And this little old lady behind the bench, she kept saying, Gizmo, Gizmo. And Damon Allen said, Giz, go say hi to the old lady. I go, no, I don't talk to fans. He go, man, don't be like that. Go over there and say hi to the lady. So I run over there. And I said, she, she was, she was leaning over here. She pointed at me. She said, you Gizmo Will? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, you run a touchdown on this football field, I'm going to beat the hell out of you with this cane. <laughs> <laughs> I know what I used to tell everybody. Damn, now they go, what'd she say? She said, have a nice game. I, think, I said, you know what? Wouldn't that be nice for me to make the TSN highlight of the night? Henry Gizmo win, runs a touchdown. But wait a minute. Grandmama's beating the shit out of him with a cane in his zone. That's classic. <laughs> Uh, Dave Cutler and Hugh Campbell are scheduled guests tomorrow for Green and Gold Grey Cup Week. We'll have more fun along the way, too. Don't forget Bob Stoffer Oilers now noon to 2. Thanks to Dave Campbell, the producer of Inside Sports, Kellen Kennedy, your studio operator. My name's Reed. Thanks for listening. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.